0: Hello and welcome to Quartertime Podcast in partnership with
1: Carbon Jacked. I'm Lucy G. And I'm Lucy P. And we're here to bring you all the netball goodness you never knew you needed.
0: We're delighted to say that this series of Quarter Time Podcast is supported by Carbon Jacked, an environmental startup that helps you combat climate change.
1: They're an awesome company that provide monthly memberships, which plant trees, support epic climate projects and help you to reduce your carbon footprint.
0: Memberships start from just £2.50 per month, so you can help save the planet for less than a cup of
1: coffee. Signing up is super easy. Go to carbonjacks.com and enter netballpod for a huge 30% off. The link is in our show notes. Go check it out.
0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 16 of Quarter Time. Loose, we've had one more top four position secured and another massive action-packed round. Uh, What's
1: coming up on the show today? So firstly, we will recap the news from the last week, which has been quite a lot. There's been a lot Mm. going on. It's pretty busy. And then we'll move on to our three word summaries of round 18 of the Vitality Netball Super League, including our game of the round and our player of the round. Our special guest today, I'm so excited for this one. (laughs) It is the incredible Nia Jones. We chat to Nia about representing Celtic Dragons and also Wales in both football and netball. Her personality and tenacity on court is hugely respected throughout the league and we cover the importance of representing your country, missing out on major tournaments and so, so much more.
0: I'm so excited for this one. I absolutely love Nia. She's such a doll. Uh, So, news-wise... It seems like every episode, a piece of news comes out straight after he releases. it. It's hard to keep <laughs> up, but we've now got four head coaches who are going to be stepping down for the 2023 season. Mm. We obviously had the announcement of uh, Melissa Bessel. The one before that was Tracy. There is going to be so much change next year. I, I, almost, I think there's going to be a massive shakeup as well in terms of players with all of these coach departures.
1: Mm. Yeah, I think it will be really interesting. And I mean, four coaches of that level to recruit. That is a really tough thing. So I'm very interested to see who they pick. Another piece of news this week is that Stars will remain as a franchise for 2023 under the sole ownership of the University of Worcester. This was a bit of a question mark after they announced Mm. that the University of Gloucester weren't partnering with them. And it was all a bit confusing, but good to know that they will remain as a franchise and continue next year.
0: Yeah, I mean, it keeps that question of how many teams should we have in the league at the mm. forefront of everyone's mind. But it'd be interesting to see what happens over the next sort of three years or so. Mm. We also had the retirement. This blew my mind. We had the retirement of Kim Borgia and Rachel Shaw from Team Bath. I mean, that is a big hole to be filled as well as their coach.
1: I was not ready for that at Mm -hmm. all I have to say particularly Kim Borgia I just didn't see that coming you know in any sense Mm -hmm. and yeah like you say without a coach as well plus Serena Guthrie missing Bath's gonna be a very different team next year
0: Yeah, for sure. For sure.
1: Uh, And don't forget as well, last week we had our performance
0: pathways episode with Rose's Academy coach, Shona Forbes, and it's actually been one of our most popular episodes. Mm. It's um, really interesting. So do catch up on that if you haven't already. Uh, Luz, take it away with our three word summaries.
1: Okay, so this was a big round. First up, we had Mavericks versus Storm on Saturday with Mavericks taking the win 54 to 50. And I said, versatile Queen Supreme. This sounded like an absolute corker and was a must-win game for Mavs to keep their playoff hopes alive. Life was tough for Mavs with both their star GKs out of action so we saw versatile queen Kadeen step in. <laughs> Inamarie Marie Venter was the one to light the fuse for Mavs and they were able to close a six-goal gap to a one-goal gap going into half-time. Defensively, both sides racked up some pretty good stats and the Mavs midcourt had a field day but they were matched by a tenacious Kawanga in to goal defence for Storm. For Storm, there was a definite hole in that goal attack position with Wells only shooting three from five at 60% and McGee at zero from one.
0: Ooh, yeah. Need a bit more volume than that, don't we? Uh, following this was Sirens versus Pulse uh, with Pulse taking a confident win, 57 to 41. And I've gone for they've made history. Mm. What a turnaround for Pulse from last season. They've jumped from eighth into third. With this game, Pulse secured their top four position and have won five in a row for the second time this season. Despite having more unforced errors than Sirens in this game, they had 14-8, to they still managed to come out on top and empty their bench to keep the legs fresh for round 19. This was a, I don't know, a bit of a tricky game for Sirens, I guess. Who had their lowest quarter score of the season in the third quarter of just six, and that's actually the second lowest of any team this entire season. They've just got to try and figure out a way to play with the kind of intensity and clinicality that we know they're capable of and they showed us last year. Because if they don't, then sides like Pulse will punish them.
1: Yeah, it's all they've almost had completely different stories this season with Pulse Absolutely. just finding that everything's been clicking. Yeah, so proud of them for making top four as well. I love mm. that. Next up, it was Wasps versus Lightning with Lightning taking the win 54-52. to 52. Very close one. And I said, bump the slump. This game was a rocky one for Lightning and an absolute grind by the sounds of it. There were just so many twists and turns that actually just reading the match report gave me whiplash, to be honest. (laughs) Lightning, alongside Thunder, have won every away game this season. But they were kept to just nine goals in the last quarter, which is only the second time this season that they haven't scored at least double digits in a quarter. Wow, Wasps really gave their all in this last home game of the season And despite some outstanding attacking play from the Dunn-Paris combo And a super clean game from Huckle with just three penalties in goalkeeper Lightning just showed too much class and grit to take a narrow win
0: Wow, three penalties in goalkeeper, that's unheard of Blimey. Okay. First up on Sunday was Thunder versus Mavericks with Thunder taking another comfortable win at 61 to 53. And I've gone for international flair extraordinaire. <laughs> nice. Every, every position in the starting seventh of Thunder had international experience. And I mean, it just blows my mind that they have this quality and calibre of athletes that across the court is wild. But we also had the uh, international theme for this game. They had like loads of dancing and stuff. And Venter and Shadeen van der Merver absolutely rocked it on court. It was just incredible. It was by no means a clinical game from Thunder, however. I would argue that they didn't produce the quality that we've come to expect from them. Particularly for Cardwell, who had five unforced errors, which is really unusual for her. Mm. But even then, it just didn't really look like they were being challenged that much. Mavs did manage to keep Thunder to their equal lowest quarter score of the season with 11 in the second quarter. And this is the first time since round 11, funnily enough, um, that Thunder haven't scored 20 or higher in a single quarter. Oh, wow. I have to say as well, hats off to Kadeen, again, who was in uh, goalkeeper. She was up against one of the strongest and arguably one of the best shooters in the league and still managed to come away with three interceptions, two deflections and four turnovers. Mm.
1: Next up onto Monday, we had Rhinos versus Stars, with Rhinos taking the win 56 to 55. And I said a wild ride. Yeah. This was a roller coaster and just one of those <laughs> games where it's so unpredictable. Anything could have happened. We could have had a streaker. Like it was just one of those games, <laughs> you know what I mean. There was pride on the line, and both teams want to finish the season on a high, particularly given that both Robinson and Bessel will be leaving at the end of the season. Rhinos were super lucky to have come away with a win over Stars, who, although they currently sit in 11th place on the ladder, they didn't really play like that in this game. According to the VNSL stats, Rhinos had 91 penalties. What? I just don't, that can't be right, surely. 33 to Keenan, 25 to Oyasola and 13 to McGee. That is a huge number and by far the highest that we've seen this season.
0: That is mental. Mm. 91 for one side. Wowza.
1: And finally,
0: to round off uh, round 18, we had Bath versus Dragons, with Bath taking a a narrow win, 49 to 44. And I've gone for big on defence. This game featured two of the league's most prolific defenders. You've got Shaquanda Greenall, who's top for turnovers in the league, and Guska, who's top for intercepts. And I think the scoreline definitely reflected how hard those players were working. Again, Dragons just came so close, and their last four losses have now been by margins of five, one, three, and four, showing just how much they've improved this season. Bath will be breathing a sigh of relief that they managed to escape Wales (laughs) unscathed and that they are still in contention for a top four finish
1: Mm, yeah that was a must win for them okay moving on to our game of the round hit me loose who we got So this week we've gone for Rhinos versus Stars, and this game was a bit of a ride. It was kind of Mm. a bit of a roller coaster, like we said in the summary. And although this has been awarded our game of the round, I think mostly due to the tension of the last few minutes, I don't think it was necessarily the best quality display of netball. That Mm. being said, that last quarter was crazy. (laughs) I've no idea what happened. It was a really sticky start attacking-wise for stars. They just didn't have any semblance of clinicality whatsoever. There was no touch on the feed. The placement of the passing was all off. There was a couple of times as well where they won the ball in their defensive end, but then the defensive pressure from Rhino's attackers just forced them into gifting the backs mm. just straight away yeah. i feel like rhinos on the whole did okay in this game but the departure of Amelia hall in the last quarter showed just how valuable and crucial she is for them mm. with the forced change of grierson having to own that ga bib with Rhea dixon out hall has really stepped up and has grown so much over the last few rounds and i think is easily the best out of the rhinos team at feeding ziggy under the post Oh, hands down. And like we, we saw in that game, there
0: was a couple of opportunities where Jay Clark could have fed Ziggy, but actually chose to pass it off to Amelia. Mm. Although Ziggy has improved throughout the season, I think that's undeniable. I would argue that she probably still isn't at the level that I would have hoped from her. And the game that she was able to offer in this particular match was quite one dimensional. She she could only really ask for that overhead ball. There was no front option. It was just a little bit um, mm. predictable. But Hall seems to really understand this and she's able to execute the ball that Siggy needs. But I just think, you know, they were seven goals up at one point during the third quarter. So to almost lose the game, largely because she went off court, that's pretty concerning for Rhinos.
1: Yeah. And I do think as well, like before this season, I wouldn't have considered her a starting player. It's only really because she's had to come into that position Mm. that she's really grown. But I I am liking what I'm seeing from her this year. And from a star's perspective, like we said, it wasn't the best netball we've seen them play, but they showed a really good never say die attitude to close mm. that five goal gap that was there for the majority of the game. As we've said before, Paige Reed absolutely exceptional for her side and took on more than her fair share of the workload, particularly in that second half. But the absolute killer was Aww. that last minute of play. To draw it level with 40 seconds on the clock, with your centre pass and then lose possession. I mean, wow, that that's gotta hurt for sure, for sure.
0: Yeah, it's just there was just no forward option for to, to pass the ball off and take it to goal. Absolutely devastating.
1: Mm. Moving on to our player of the round. So loose. Who have we gone for this week? So we have gone for Liv
0: Cheen. Love me a bit of Liv. I think she had an exceptional week this week. She was up against, again, one of the best goalkeepers in the league in Vincumbo. She shot 43 of 45 at 96%, if you round it up, which is massive volume, absolutely huge. And then the two shots that she missed, she managed to get the offensive rebound. So, Mm. you know, she's absolutely unstoppable. She's third on the leaderboard for goal scored this season on 606, sitting behind international stars Praskovia Peace and Joyce Mboula. Like, those two are absolute powerhouses. So the fact that she is right up there with them just speaks to the quality and the volume that she's putting out there.
1: Yeah, I think last year she made the case to start games and she was kind of battling for court time with Ziggy Berger. And then this year she is owning that position. She's really Mm. taken the opportunity with both hands. Yeah, completely
0: agree. And I think she is earning that nickname of Cheen the Machine, which <laughs> Camilla Buchanan gave her. Thanks for that, Camilla. Um, she is just embodying that. She's super chill. She's not easily rattled at all. In fact, I've yet to see a defender really get under her skin. I just think she's, uh, the, she is the future. She's just
1: for incredible. Sure. Yeah, because she can move and she can hold. She's got so much going on. She's got the height, everything. Love it. Love it. Yeah. Coming up after the break, we hear from the incomparable Nia Jones. Join the likes of Tamsin Greenway, Gia Ebenethy, and us to become a Carbon Jacked member and combat climate change. It's just £2.50 per month and you'd be doing your bit and helping to protect the planet. We really think that netballers can make a difference and
0: so do Carbon Jacked. That's why they support this podcast. They're helping England netball plant trees for goals scored in the Vitality Netball Super League and our Netball Scotland sustainability
1: partner. Go to carbonjack.com to become a member today and use netballpod for 30% off. Link is in the show notes. It is such an honour to welcome the incredible Nia Jones onto the pod. Welcome, Nia.
2: Thank you. That was a very good pronunciation of my name there. Well done.
1: Is it? Oh, I just tried. I tried my best. Oh, amazing. Well, I'm chuffed with that. Good start. (laughs) Great to hear you in comms as well on Saturday. Loving that string to your bow. Uh, How are you finding doing that alongside playing? Yeah, do you know what?
2: It's been um it's been really fun. So I've done a couple of games so far and it's something I've done for the past probably five years through the BBC but on football, um, men's and women's international football games, um, which has been super fun. And, you know, I'm not officially trained in like the, the broadcasting industry, but just been picking it up as we go along with the help of producers and colleagues and yeah, never really thought about it in netball because it's still quite foreign, if you like, to have current players and coaches. Commentating, and that's something that I I didn't really know how I felt about it until the opportunity came up. But actually, you know, I spoke about it um, with Danny at Dragons and with Sarah at Wales. You know, is this is this something that you're okay with me doing? Do you think it, it's something cool? And actually, to be asked as a Celtic Dragons player, the first Celtic Dragons player that's ever done it, I think the first Welsh international that's ever done it. I thought it was just a super cool opportunity to have one of our voices out there. And um, yeah, it's been super fun and a good couple of games that I've managed to, to commentate on. You know, it's it's weird to see it. You know, it's people that you used to go into battle with every week. So it's weird to be almost commenting on their performances. But if anything, it's just been a really good way of me doing some performance analysis before games. But
1: Yeah, for sure. And I think the insight that you get from current players is really amazing as well. And just that different perspective. But yeah, I've been loving you. You've got the gift of the gab for sure, which is... <laughs> (laughs) absolutely perfect for that and I think it's fair to say that you've become a bit of a fan favorite both on and off the court especially in terms of your openness your humor and your willingness to say it how it is and you've been a stalwart of the game for a number of years now having captained the Wales under 17 and under 21 teams as well as being current co-captain of Wales and captain of Celtic Dragons a lot of captain armbands you're wearing And um, when it comes to the Welsh national side, I imagine there's something incredibly special about representing your country alongside other strong and talented women. And we know that sport has this unique ability to bind people together through shared experience. So how important is the sisterhood that's created amongst your teammates, whether it's in football or netball, when it comes to representing your country?
2: Yeah, it's a really cool question. I think it it just feels different when you're with the international side. I think any international athlete will say that. Um, it just feels super special to know that you are one of very few women and athletes that have been select, selected to represent your country. It is the absolute highest honour for me. And, you know, I absolutely love playing Super League. I love the, the competition. I love the drama of it. I, I especially love how open it is now. And there's new franchises, old franchises. But actually... You know, I play netball because I absolutely love playing for my country um, and Super League is just a great vehicle to enable me to actually compete at that highest level. It's just something I, you know, as you're growing up, I just, as Welsh people, we're, we're so patriotic and it's just this um, this sort of underdog feeling that I think is just in us as Welsh people. You know, it, it goes back into, you know, ancient times in terms of, you know, the castles and all the medieval stories that you hear throughout school but actually, it, we embody that through our sport. You know, we, we punch above our weight almost on the rugby field. We're starting to do it on the football field. And I think we draw huge inspiration from those teams um, as a Welsh national side. And I think we look, at, we look at countries like New Zealand, who also only have three million people, more sheep than people in their country, <laughs> much like us. And we think if they can do it on the global stage, then why can't we? And yeah, it's just it's just part of our identity. You know, we're we're known for our mountains, our castles, our singing, and our sport. So it's just, yeah, it's something really, really close to my heart and all our hearts. And it's something that binds us together. You know, it's it's really cool this year that for the first time we really have got players that are spread out. We've got we've got players that are involved at Loughborough, at Team Bath, at Seven Stars, and at Celtic Dragons. Um, and lots of players we're involved who aren't playing Super League at all that are across the country in both England and Wales. Um, that really do want to come together. And be selected for that for that special Wales twelve. So actually, it's great then that you're getting players who have different experiences, of different coaches, and cultures, and styles, and teammates. And when you can bring it all back together, it should help um, our Welsh flavour just become even stronger. So, yeah, as you know, Super League is it's flown by. We've got two games left, but actually, for us that are involved um, in the Welsh long squad, we've got a couple of weeks off, and then we're straight into a heavy Wales block for the Commonwealth Games. Which that is. The absolute pinnacle for us um and especially going there you're not just Wales netball you're not just your association you're there as team Wales. um you know athletes that you've looked up to boxers swimmers divers that you've looked up to as fans are all of a sudden in the same kit as you and your you're their teammates so it really really is um special and that honestly as cheesy as it sounds i cry every time when i when i go to sing that national anthem so um Aww. yeah don't
0: cry now. <laughs> <laughs> it's just so emotional what you're saying. No, I can't no. help it. <laughs> but no, I, I think that's lovely. And like, I think the, the pride and emotion that you get from wearing that kind of national jumper or national uniform is quite hard to replicate. But as, as well as that kind of pride element, there's the pressure element of it as well. And there's a great quote from Ellie Cooper, who is a former Florida State baseball player, uh, around this kind of pressure of representing your country. And she says... Representing your country while playing a sport comes with a different type of pressure in the best way possible. Pressure is a privilege, especially when that pressure comes from putting an entire country on your back with 16 other people on the same mission as you. And obviously like, all teams will put a huge amount of effort into training and preparation for any kind of major event like Com Games, well Cup. But how do you try and replicate that pressure that comes with representing your country in training to try and then help you relay that into competition?
2: Yeah, I think that's an amazing quote. And it's something we speak about in huddles and in training all the time, that this pressure that we're feeling is a privilege. And something we always say as well is, if it was easy, everybody would do it. And also, if it was easy, it wouldn't be satisfying when you overcome stuff. And, you know, when we speak about our experiences, you know, just off the court, every single person who is at our Celtic, in our Celtic Dragons team and in our international team, so really the pinnacle of our sport, have overcome adversities of some sort, whether it's injuries, deselection, whatever it might be, personal issues. The reason that we're actually in this position of privilege and pressure is because we've been strong enough and resilient enough to overcome those challenges you know, we're in a different position now as Celtic Dragons players where the pressure at the start of the season was, actually, we just don't want to finish bottom again. You know, we we want to get the scores as close as we can. And then all of a sudden, our performances have been improving. And then in games, the bookies were telling us that Dragons are favourite to win. The pundits are telling us Dragons are favourite to win. And all of a sudden, it's the, it's pressure, but it's a a totally different style of pressure. Actually, we're expected to win this game. So how do we flip our mindset there? But... You know, I think lots of coaches and players talk about the process being key and netball compared to the other sports that I've played is is all about the process. It's actually, it's just about doing the boring stuff over and over and over and over and over again. I think that's a reason why I love it. It is just like a game of concentration and willingness for a whole hour. You know, in football, there are individual moments of magic that can win or can lose a game. You don't often get that in netball until maybe the very end. You, you have to be in it for, you know, 59, 60 minutes the whole way through doing the boring, ugly stuff over and over again. So it does become very process focused. Can we get our centre passes to circle edge? Can we keep their centre pass conversion down below 60%? So actually, when you start to break it down that way, all of a sudden you're in the moment. You're not even thinking about what the scoreboard. I love it when I can't see the scoreboard in a game when it's out of sight, because actually then you're totally focused on the process. You're focused on how it's feeling. Mm. You're focused on the connections with your teammates. And it it really is cliche, but it's true, the scoreboard does take care of itself. Mm. And I think just, you know, training is so important in preparing us for the competition, you know, especially in the last couple of years, there has been limited opportunity for competition to prep us for games. And I think that's, that's why almost we as Celtic Dragons players don't want the season to finish because We feel like the first 10 rounds were really just us trying to work out our structures, work out each other, get to know each other, get to know how Danny likes things to work, um, what behaviours are and aren't acceptable on and off the court. It took us 10 rounds to really get to that point. I do think, you know, the way I always look at it is training is a little bit like revision and your game is your exam. So nothing that you do on game day is a fluke. It is a direct reflection of things you've been doing in training your pre-season, but also what you've been doing your whole career as an athlete. You know, there's there's no shortcuts in netball. If you cut corners in pre-season and training, it's going to come out on the court across 60 minutes. It just is. And you hear lots of people talk about consistency. You know, anybody can have an amazing quarter. Anybody sometimes can have an amazing game. But you see the top teams this season, Manchester, Thunder, Loughborough, it's their ability to do it quarter after quarter, game after game, week after week, even if the games are close, even if they've had 12 days apart it's that they're used to doing it. Those athletes and those teams are used to doing it on a consistent basis. Um, so yeah, that's definitely something that we've got better at as the season's gone on. And it's annoying that we keep having to say in the media and to our fans, we're building, we're building, because for me as players, I want to win every game and I'm the most impatient person in the room. But um, <laughs> your, your, your connections and your structures have to be right before you can start looking at those. It's a little bit like wanting to go on Pinterest and look at decorating your house before it's even been finished yeah hopefully next year we can get on pinterest
0: yeah. <laughs> no I, I think that's a really like fascinating analogy like it's interesting that you reference thunder and lightning there because i think lightning in particular uh, they're the ones in my opinion who embody that like thriving under pressure and even when they're behind they'll just continue to grind away do the basics really really well and pull themselves back into it but I think for you specifically, you obviously have the additional pressure of being co-captain for the Welsh national side. You were previously appointed vice-captain in 2014. And of course, domestically, you were voted as captain by your teammates for Dragons, which is incredible. So you clearly have a very natural aptitude for leadership. What do you think it is about you that makes you such a natural-born leader?
2: Um, It's a really difficult question because you're obviously... You're just you. So it's hard sometimes to see yourself how I see you. But something I am told, like Danny said it this season, and especially if few of my newer teammates this season, obviously I, I've worked with a lot of the players at Dragons before, so they're sort of just used to me. Mm. But it's interesting to see or hear how people perceive me when they're my teammate or my coach to how I'm perceived um, maybe as an opponent. And most players across the league have a totally different personality on the court than they do off it and I think that's right. Um, I like to think that I'm quite nice off the court. <laughs> I would never want somebody to look forward to playing me. I hope mm-hmm. they have the most miserable hour of their lives. That is in <laughs> defence, I've probably done my job. Um, I do just think, do you know what, growing up I had two sisters, two great parents, it makes it sound like they're no longer around, they all are still around. <laughs> <laughs> we did all sorts, like We literally, we lived out in the countryside We were just, they, I can't believe how much they drove now that I'm an actual adult uh, and I have to work as well. I don't know how they took us to all the things that they did Mm. after work. Um, You know, I did ballet, tap and modern, which I think has you know, paid huge dividends in terms of just confidence in performing in front of people. Um, I did public speaking with a young farmers group just because a couple of my mates went along. So I did that for a little bit. Took part in a VODs, which are like folk competitions where you have to recite in front of people and sing in front of people. I'm a terrible singer, but <laughs> I just won the world anyway. Um, I did taekwondo, tennis, athletics, hockey. I did all sorts. So I just think all those experiences of being in new environments and getting to know people and going to new sessions and having to talk to people and make friends and um, and all the experiences I've had in all different teams. You know, I I'm definitely way more mature of a leader than I used to be. And that, that's been just from observing other senior players that I've worked with. So co-captaincy with Susie Drain at Wales is an absolute joy just because we, we are like chalk and cheese, but probably in the best way for the squad because I said it before, but I'm a bit like bad cop, she's good cop. And there's times where you'd need me to say stuff but there's also times where you definitely need Susie to deliver that message and also with the different personalities in the group there's probably lots of people who prefer coming to me for stuff and absolutely there's lots of people who probably prefer going to Susie for stuff so I think it's awesome to have that blend I just think I'm I I don't mind being the one to speak up for the group I think that's really key when I've been a younger player my favorite captains that I've worked under I feel have just really got our backs you know you do have to be the link between the management and the players, which is the biggest battle, and sometimes you can't just go in, organs blazing, to the coaches about something. You can't just get on the players back about something. It is, it's so much of it is about reading the room, and that's definitely something that I've got better at as the years have gone by. So I, I don't think you're either a leader or not a leader. I do think you know I, I definitely must have had potential and some natural capabilities, but I do definitely think that it's, um, you can learn and you can improve along that leadership spectrum, if you like.
1: Yeah, I think it's fascinating to hear about how all those different experiences kind of in your formative years have fed into the kind of person and the player that you are now. And I, I suppose it's a bit obvious, but we're all only an amalgamation of everything that we've ever done. And when you've had such a varied upbringing, and playing for different teams and playing under different head coaches, it really shows just how kind of diverse that, that knowledge base is that you then bring to enhance not only your captain responsibilities, but also your your kind of play on court as well so it's kind of a dual aspect but talking a little bit more about your career particularly internationally so you were part of the 2014 and the 2018 Commonwealth Games squads and you were not selected for the Netball World Cup in 2015 due to a clash of commitments and then Wales sadly didn't qualify for the 2019 World Cup so how important is having the opportunity to compete at a World Cup for you?
2: Yeah, it's definitely the itch that I really want to scratch. Yeah, the circumstances around the 2015 World Cup were really painful. But actually, when I've when I've spoken about it more recently, I've realised that with that door closing, it enabled me to then go and play professional football, which I, I never thought I'd be able to do. Well, one, because I was a girl. And two, because I just always wanted to do both sports at the same time. When that door closed almost, and I was... It was a slight clash with the head coach in terms of, as you say, I was I was doing too much. I was saying yes to everything. My commitment was nowhere near where I I liked it to be and where my coaches needed it to be. Because just naturally, with both sports becoming more and more professional, more and more um, sessions and games were clashing. So naturally, it was going to come to a head. But yeah, with that door closing, it opened up the, the FA Women's Super League for me for two years, which was honestly a dream come true. I did however have to mute all netball accounts on Twitter because seeing them all <laughs> I it was awful Aww. but um, yeah and then obviously not qualifying for 2019 with it being in Liverpool which you know for us as a Welsh national team is probably the closest we're going to get to probably hosting hosting a world cup um, whilst I'm playing anyway so that was gut wrenching I went up and watched as a fan I was caught side for Australia and New Zealand and it was amazing but it just felt it just felt wrong that we were sat on the side you know we knew we had the talent we knew we had the potential we needed to get things right off the court first as a governing body and we've we, we've done that now and I think it's coming to fruition in our in our recent performances as a wales national team over the past three or four years. So yeah, really, really looking forward to obviously Commonwealth Games but from a personal perspective I am, I'm not going anywhere until I've been to a World Cup and hopefully that will <laughs> with Wales in South Africa in 2023 but anything can happen absolutely anything it's not it's not guaranteed selection wise fitness wise you just never ever know what's going to happen so yeah definitely one session at a time one competition at a time but I'm not giving up till I've gone to one of them
1: mm, yeah well i mean as fans we definitely want to see you and we'll hope you'll mm. be ticking off that netball world cup box next year in south africa can't believe it's already next year it feels like the last know, one was about I know, 2 minutes ago it. Absolutely bonkers. And you've mentioned there a bit about the kind of turbulence in the Wells netball setup. And I know things have changed a lot in recent years with personnel and stuff like that. So can you tell us a bit more about the Actual setup in terms of the relationship between Wales and Celtic Dragons. So we know that it used to be part of a combined programme, but they became two separate entities not long ago, which obviously has kind of pros and cons. So, what does the future look like for the relationship between Dragons and the national Welsh side?
2: Yeah, I think it's an interesting one, and probably somebody from the NGB will be able to answer it a lot better than I will. But from my understanding, you know the the reason Wales Netball wanted a franchise was to be a really good vehicle for developing Welsh players. Now, obviously, they didn't want to restrict it to that. It was just another avenue that actually it's amazing for um, young Welsh athletes to have something to aspire to, um, to compete in this amazing competition that is across the United Kingdom. But also, you know, if we've got athletes that we want to develop, there's a there's an amazing opportunity here for exposure with the best players around the best competition around we have this um little project if you like that we can use to help develop in between national camps because you know for a, a country like wales we don't have huge amounts of money where we can afford to be going on tours every few months and having friendlies costs a fortune as we all know so actually how can we give athletes the best exposure possible in maybe a different way um and i don't think it's ever been officially you need to you know welsh players need to be at this franchise or it's never worked like that. It just so happens to be actually players are locally based in Cardiff. Um, we've previously had coaches that have, have taken on the jaw role. Again, financially makes sense because Wales stuff doesn't go on whilst Dragon stuff goes on and vice versa. So yeah, in the past we've had success with six out of the seven athletes on the court being Welsh, you know, 2013 was the most successful season ever for the Celtic Dragons. And that was with seven. I'm not disrespecting these guys. I was on the bench behind these guys, but like, Steady Eddie, good, hard-working Welsh players, nobody flashy. And we had Timmy Cato uh, in as the goal shooter, which you know, that tactic under Melissa Bessel got criticised a little bit. And now everybody across World Netball is doing it. And then from there, actually, players started to branch out a little bit at different clubs. And then it was the players that we had coming through that happened to be Welsh maybe weren't being able to compete with other franchises that were getting in talent from all over the place. So I then think it was a little bit like, right, okay, how can we separate the two? Um, there's no obligation for Welsh players to stay or for us to sign Welsh players. And then it, it went totally separate. But, you know, for Dragons to succeed, Wales is a huge strength for us. And for Wales to succeed, Dragons is a is a huge strength. So they definitely work hand in hand. We're seeing it work well, particularly last year with Sirens and the Scotland national team. And, you know, let's not forget that the Super League is in place to strengthen the England Roses. That is that is exactly why it's there. Same for the MPL. So it, it's just another vehicle that we can, you know, we want Super League success absolutely. We also want global success with Wales and they absolutely go hand in hand. So, um, yeah, for me, I've had experience now of, of being at Dragons for a few years. I went I went over the bridge to seven stars and that was a really cool experience as well for me because I've always sort of been in a, a comfort zone of Wales. You know, everybody knows me that I, I already feel quite accepted and respected over here, but actually having to branch out and prove myself to new coaches, new CEOs, new teammates, be seen in a different dress and not just be branded as they're the Welsh side, was a totally different challenge but I, I do feel like I, I learned a huge amount um it does feel good to be home though it does feel I think it's a huge strength to Celtic Dragons that you have that Welsh identity it's a, it's important that that's there and it's not diluted but it's also important that we're totally open to new flavors and we can attract you know young um exciting English talent we can attract some of the best imports from across the world I think it's important that there's that blend but we don't forget actually the heart of things here is we've got 3 million people that we can tap into as a fan base and that is a huge strength
1: yeah yeah that that's really interesting actually and i think how it evolves and changes will, will really feed into the success of wales over the next coming years and especially in relation to the major competitions that we have coming up um and obviously wales don't have a full time program like the england roses do how far away do you think something like that is in the future for wales netball
2: in honesty, I'm not sure. I think it's really exciting that the Super League are in, you know, big talks about professionalising the league in the next few years. I think that will help massively, you know, even for, for Wales as a governing body, if they've got seven, ten players who are full time professionals, then that can almost serve its own purpose if you like. It would be awesome if we were centrally contracted. I'm not sure how financially financially viable it is at the minute. What I will say, though, is the appointments that Wales Netball have made over the past couple of years with with Vicky Sutton coming in as the CEO and uh, Sarah Hale, who's now Sarah Moore, coming in as head of elite. Sarah in particular is hugely experienced, not just as a player for Wales, but she's also coached with Manchester Thunder, won the league with Manchester Thunder. She's coached next to Tracy Neville with the Vitality Roses. So her experiences of elite level netball outside of Wales have been hugely beneficial in coming back in and just saying, you know, these are. These are the things that we need to improve on these are this is the level of contact time I need with these athletes if you want us to be competitive we need this amount of fixtures in okay, how many athletes can we get into super league franchises for those that are left over they're still going to play an important part so actually can we have can I have contact sessions with those and that's what she's doing so the whole super league season those that aren't involved in super league even some of our training partners and training associates have been having additional sessions in the week with with Sarah Moore there and that's something that's never happened before it was almost like those guys were hung out to dry on the bench all season and then had to join it with Wales and catch up. So there is way more contact time than there's ever been. And I'm sure most coaches will tell you contact time is absolutely key. Mm -hmm. Um, And hopefully it will help them bridge the gap when the Super League guys come in in a couple of weeks' time and those guys who've been training separately, hopefully there's not too much catch-up time and we can hit the ground running. So there is a long-term plan in place now. I think that's what's been the issue is everybody comes in and they'd love a three- to four-year plan. Unfortunately, staff turnover has been higher than... Anybody would have liked. I think everybody in place now is is hopefully in it for the long run. Is committed to the long term plan, and it, you know we have to be patient. But we're also confident that we have we have the talented players. We've got experienced coaches, and we've got the support of the of the association now to actually get us to where we'd like to be. You know, ideally, we want to be pushing the top five. We're we're happy that we're inside the top ten now, but for us, we we really do want to be striving towards those top five spots and. We had some friendlies before the Super League season against South Africa and for half a game, you know, there was three goals in it. So for us, there was a little sprinkling of belief that actually, okay, this maybe means halfway there. This is how good we are at the minute. What do we need to do now to step up to the next level? And having Lefebvre Radaman at uh, club level is great practice for us and we've got them <laughs> in our group. But, um, you know, it's, it's nations like that that we can really target. They haven't got a professional league down there. They're coming to our Vitality Super League to get their netball exposure as well. So, that's definitely the next target for us is to be climbing those rankings and compete with the world's best.
0: Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I think it's really fascinating that you talk quite in depth about Sara there and that sort of coaching element of it. Cause one of the things that I find most fascinating when it comes to sport is the importance of the coach and that, that coach athlete relationship and the impact that a coach can have on the current and future lives of their athletes, often beyond what the athletes themselves will realize so when it comes to a high performance environment in particular, the role of the coach goes above and beyond simply helping to improve your skills on the court or on the pitch in your case. They also help to develop you as people. And we know that Melissa Bessel was one of those people for you. And we saw that lovely heartfelt post that you did about yeah. her um, on social media and she announced she was stepping down from stars. Can you talk to us a bit more about the impact that Melissa's had on your journey sort of representing the dragon either at Celtic Dragons or Wales.
2: Yeah, she's she's amazing honestly, she is amazing. She's an amazing woman. I think, you know, people don't realize the risk that she took to even come over to this country. I remember she tell, telling us the story that she arrived, you know, from this amazing little island in New Zealand with her husband and six kids. She so I remember getting off the train at Cardiff Central and it was pouring down with rain and these six kids are moaning their bags are heavy and they're starving and they're soaking wet. And she thought, what on earth am I doing <laughs> over here for my netball dream? Netball's barely even semi-professional over here. Like this is such a huge risk. And she she made such an impact on us. I think from where Wales were at when she first came in, I was, I was 18, 19. So she was the first one that came in in a really probably impressionable time for me as an athlete where I was... I was thinking about, do I really want to pursue this as an elite sport? Which sport do I want to do, football or netball? Um, I just really connected with her values more than anything. Her sessions were awesome. I think she was the first coach to really hone in on just hard work, overrides everything. Mm. Um, you know, it was the first coach to even bring in shuttles that replicate having to win the ball back when you make an error. That was the first time I'd ever experienced that, which is, you know, some might say it's old school. Actually, it, it taught us to get our error rate down. If it didn't, it taught us to get a little bit fitter. Mm. Just our behaviours off the court. So she was hot on how we presented on social media. She was hot on how we dressed when we went on a night out. She made us take our makeup off when we all showed up with fake eyelashes before a game. Not me. But it was just <laughs> those hardcore values of, hang on, if you guys want to climb the rankings, you need to strip all this back and get way back to basics. Um She was just so in tune with the community, which is, I think, what was so needed at the time. Like, Wales have such passionate volunteers out in the community. Um, And as we say, we're we're 3 million, but we're also then quite a vast country. You know, you've got players up. I'm from North Wales. So I was having to travel down once a month, every weekend, on the train, on my own as a 15-year-old, because all the training's in Cardiff. She recognised that, and she recognised the frustration of people maybe further away So uh, I remember she used to come up to North Wales to do a session with four of us on a Monday night. She'd drive up in the Wales netball car, do a horrendous session with us, drive back down because she was committed to providing the quality for the athletes that were up there. She'd she'd do road shows all over Wales just to connect with local people, local coaches, local umpires. I think she just had a huge impact on everybody involved in netball in Wales. Um, And just the discipline that she instilled in, in her athletes, very straight talking, very honest it was the first time I'd ever heard somebody swear in a team talk I couldn't believe what I was hearing <laughs> but actually like there was a time and a place for it and as you say I just I just really connected with that and I think a lot of how I am now as an athlete like I hold fitness extremely high in my in my list of credentials if you like and I feel like I got that from her mm. um you know, she was, unless you make this level on a yo-yo, if you're in this position, guys, you're out. You know, Nolene Taru is getting huge credit for that now. Melissa was doing that with us 10 years ago. Mm. Family first as well. So like she was the hardest of coaches um, courtside and in training. But if you had a family issue, she'd kick you out the door to go and sort it. So it's just like she she has that light and dark. She has that, she has those two sides to her, which just make her a, a really special person. And it stars like, you don't give coaches enough credit for all the little things that they try and do on top of, you know just trying to coach you well and win games so like at stars every single tuesday you know we tr- georgia and i would travel over from wales liana would leave her five kids and husband and travel down from manchester people were coming in from everywhere and you're walking up on a tuesday you know maybe a bit sore maybe a bit down from a loss on the weekend and she'd always prepare a karaoke song and she'd <laughs> whack the, the lyrics up on um, a powerpoint or she'd have printed them off and sometimes they were terrible songs it was like uh, it's a sin by the pet shop boys. Also, <laughs> that our little training partners, who were eighteen, they didn't know who Westlife were. Never mind the pet shop boys. So, but we just get stuck into it because she was saying, "Look, if you can't be confident and be yourself here, and you can't make a fool of yourself here in front of your teammates, then you're not going to feel free to be yourself and make errors out on the netball court." And it was just those tiny little things that you know might have added half an hour to a list of tasks, but it's just little things along the way that just you know make a huge difference and add to that. Add to that feeling of being connected and being a family and being a team. And, and I never forget when we had team bonding, we rocked up and we, we didn't know if it was going to be fitness. We didn't know what it was going to be. We did do some testing and stuff. That was going to be the easiest part of the day. We rocked up and she said, right, I want you all to be uh, in a, a Starz polo shirt and smart black trousers. We were thinking, what is she making us do here? Are we going to a choir? Is she making us go to church? We just don't know. <laughs> <laughs> and she got us all in the room and she said, uh, right, you have a £50 budget. Uh, you've got three hours and 15 members of the board and our sponsors are coming in for a four-course dinner two of them are gluten-free one of them's a vegan <laughs> uh, you also have to write a song and present a present, present <laughs> themselves in a song uh, we're going to put a powerpoint up you can use the you can use the computers here see you in three hours so oh it's like but like straight away it's funny how you just go into oh my gosh okay okay, who's in charge of this? Who's going to the shop? Who's going to be in charge of the songs? Somebody needs to get into (laughs) the kitchen. Somebody go and find out what the vegan can eat. And all of a sudden, like, you're problem solving, you're delegating, you're assigning leadership roles. It is exactly what you have to do in a team sport. So, yeah, just just crazy experiences like that. I think when we've all, you know, retired in years to come, you'll think back and think, that was absolutely crazy. And she's an (laughs) absolute nutter, but how fun was it and how much did we learn? So, yeah, Mm. she just... Yeah, I'm really going to miss her, the impact she's had on netball over here um, in all different capacities. And I think, you know, it's a, I feel like we only ever say nice things about people when they die, which is too late. So, yeah,
0: Mm.
2: actually her announcing her retirement before the end of the season, I think gives people a chance to say thank you. And we've seen it with all coaches as well. Um, And I just, yeah, I just encourage anybody who's worked with somebody who's retiring this year, we've seen, just seen Borgia and Rachel Shaw come out and announce that they're finishing the end of the season. We obviously know Anna and Mel. Um, yeah, say nice things to each other because <laughs> when we're gone it's too late.
1: Mm. yeah and I think that's that's so true in life as well that usually if there's feedback to be given it's only really if there's a a bad situation there's there's Mm. not that many instances where somebody just will say oh you did it you did a really good job on that or you know well done for for doing that extra thing or or Mm -hmm. something like that so something for all the listeners to take into account spread those little moments of joy and really recognize the contributions of everyone especially someone like Melissa who has had such an amazing impact on our game um I'm conscious of time like we could literally just talk to you all day.
0: Uh you are fascinating to hear from. So we're just going to move on to a couple of rapid fire questions. Oh no. Uh yeah, brace yourself. So, first up and you can answer yourself as yourself for this. Who's the funniest member of Celtic Dragons?
2: Oh, I can't say me. That is. <laughs> <laughs> <Shikwanda>. yes. <laughs> Obviously, she's hilarious. Yeah, well, absolutely love that. to train in with like, sunglasses on, no shoes. <laughs> just, yeah, she's just nuts, but she's hilarious. Oh, man. I've, we have loved seeing her on court, haven't we, Lou?
0: She's Big just fans. been... Her personality is incredible. So, yeah, I can, I can relate to that one. Um, second, if you could be coached by anyone in the world, who would it be and why?
2: such a good question. I'm going to go Jurgen Klopp. Ooh, okay, I'm why? You're accepting a uh, netball coach there. Uh, I just think that he... First and foremost, he he believes in hard work. You know, he teaches people to play football. He also he also teaches people to run. Um, and how how hard can we be defensive, defensively out of possession? First and foremost, is what is going to catapult us as, as success. But also, just how he is with the players, how he talks about his players, how honest he is, and down to earth in interviews. I feel like he's somebody that I would really connect with, have a lot of fun with, but also want to want to die for. So I'm an Arsenal fan. So that is, I'm not comfortable that he was the first person that came to my mind. (laughs) Oh,
0: I love that. Um, And finally, and this is probably a bit mean for a rapid fire question, actually, on reflection. But (laughs) what is the biggest
2: personal goal that you have ever achieved? I think I scored on my Wales football debut, which... Just was just an absolute dream come true. I, I came on as like an 80th minute substitute. We were playing Bulgaria and it was up, I'm from Wrexham area and it was up there as well. Absolutely no one there, I don't think. Like a few of my old club mates, that was probably about hundred people in the crowd. It was freezing. Came on as an 18 year old. At the time I thought I was great. I look back, I think, you didn't have a clue what you were doing. <laughs> I don't even think I was supposed to be up for this corner. I was left back. I just wandered up. So it was corner being taken and I just took it on the, on the swivel and, and put it in the bottom corner. So, I think I did a roly-poly in celebration. I just didn't know what <laughs> was going on. But yeah, I think just to say that I scored them in on my senior international debut in my hometown was just, yeah, class.
1: Yeah, that kind of moment is a real, it's a sporting cherry on the cake, isn't it, for that kind of thing. Oh, Nia, this has been so amazing. Thank you so much for chatting with us. I've loved hearing all your insight, all the little stories and everything. And yeah, can't wait to see you hopefully killing it for Wales at the Commonwealth Games this year
2: hopefully i'm loving this podcast as well guys and i know some of the dragon's girls listen to it as well so oh that's awesome to hear thank (laughs) Thank you so so
1: much thank you for coming on oh what a lovely interview to hear from nia she's so cool i've always thought she's a person that you really want to be friends with and i feel that even more now before we wrap up it's time to take a look ahead to the next week of matches round 19 of the vitality netball super league this year we've teamed up with sideline tv to pick our showdown of the week highlighting two key players who we can't wait to see go head to head so what are we looking at this week, Luce? Well, we've gone for the Rhinos Mavs game because although technically
0: it's possible for Rhinos to get a top four, it's looking very, very unlikely. And this would be absolutely crucial for Mavs. So there's so much riding on this game. And in particular, we've gone for Amelia Hall on Elia Zaranika.
1: Mm.
0: I think both of these guys have been on absolute fire for their teams. As we alluded to in the game of the rounds, Hall has been putting up massive numbers in terms of feeds in recent weeks. I actually think she holds the title for the most feeds in, in one game across mm. the league. She has 30 in one game and she is just instrumental when it comes to feeding Ziggy. But on the flip side, Zaronika can be deadly with her speed and the way she's able to read the game. She just comes out of nowhere half the time. Like I honestly can't even keep track of her. I think both players are fairly understated within their teams, but the work that they do in the background sets up other players and really allows them to shine. So I think this is going to be a cracker.
1: Yeah, no, I'm really, really loving what these two are bringing. And they're sort of names that we hadn't really taken too much notice of before this particular season Mm. no discredit to them but they had been not taking up starting seven positions and now they are so it's great Mm. seeing them shine as well let us know what you think by heading to our socials and don't forget to tag at sideline.tv thank you so much everyone for listening to this episode of quarter time we can't wait to bring you more netball chat and a wrap-up of round 19 next week Make sure you subscribe to the podcast and follow us on social media at quartertimepod for the latest netball updates. Get involved in the conversation online by letting us know what you thought of the matches this weekend and which players have stood out for you.
0: We'd also really love it if you could just take two seconds to rate and review as it helps other people to find the podcast. If you enjoy listening to us ramble on each week, do let us know (laughs) and do spread the word with your netball pals so that even more people can get involved. Don't forget as well, make sure you check out our partners, Carbon Jacks, and take advantage of the exclusive 30% discount on their memberships using the code NETBALLPOD. Take care, everyone, and see you soon. Bye. Bye.